Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. up my friends what is up happy first of the month happy first of september i hope august treated you wonderfully and thank you so much for starting your month here with us this is the debut of the mma fighting ranking show i am sean alshadi and i'm joined here by my good friend from the north the prince of positivity himself alexander k lee what's going on ak i am so excited right now Sean, can I can I can I can I say why we're here? I mean, you kind of introduced it already. Can I can I say with authority why we're here? Tell the people, Sean, we did it. We finally did it. Someone <laughs> had to do it, and my goodness, I never thought it would be us. But I it, we 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 fixed MMA. I think like we we literally fixed <laughs> MMA. Rankings are such a contentious part of this game, Sean. You know, you've been in this business for longer than I have. And there's a lot of great rankings out there. I'm not hating anybody else's rankings. I'm just saying I think we solved. I think we put together an, an airtight panel, and I think people are going to really be really excited today. Um, <laughs> I'm sure people have been reading the rankings already, but now to give us a kind of chance to elaborate on what's going on here and just really explore the studio space with with what we've been doing. Explore the studio space. I like that. Mm-hmm. You, you people actually join us in the middle of uh, what is brewing to be a civil war inside of this airtight panel, as AK mentioned. Uh, we will get to it, though. First, though, let's quickly lay out what we're doing here. Uh, I say happy first of the month because that is what this here show is going to be, AK. Once a month, the first Wednesday of every month, to be exact, we'll be talking about the very namesake of this show, the MMA Fighting Global Rankings. It's all very self-explanatory. And AK, there's a reason we're coming on Wednesdays. Obviously, that's when the rankings comes out. But also, there's a reason why we felt like we wanted to do this show in the first place. A few months ago, we debuted these rankings, and it was something that we actually wanted to do as a website for a long, 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 long time. Like, I'm talking really long time. Like, Mm -hmm. my first time I was ever at MMA Fighting a decade ago, we were talking about doing something like this. And really, the big reason... It's because of how rankings are used in this sport, used by promotions and really used and abused, if we're being honest, right? We felt like it was important to have something of our own to hold on to, something that didn't belong to any promoter, something that we could really point to often without worrying about whether we're going to wake up and Leon Edwards is just going to be yanked out of the rankings without warning because he made someone at the UFC front office mad or I don't know, one of the million examples, Nate Diaz just vanishing without a trace as a negotiating (laughs) tactic, all of it. Yeah. Also too, I mean, at this point, MMA is such a huge sport. There are so many promotions, there's so many leagues, all of it. It's fun to have these sort of conversations, right? About who deserves to be ranked above who. Is AJ McKee better than Max Holloway? Is he better than Alexander Volkanovsky? That type of thing. And yet I don't really know how it happened, AK, that we have we found ourselves sort of being the ringleaders of yeah, this whole experience. We are, we are right now, I would say, the prison guards just really trying hard to not let the inmates burn down the whole asylum. It's uh, It's been an experience, to say the least. Look, MMA... 
MMA, Sean, is supposed to be fun. We always say that. What is more fun than a bunch of nerds arguing about theoretically who is better than who and comparing their resumes? And I, I think that's an aspect of this, this this business that fans enjoy the most and can and frankly can join in on. So, uh, yes, as you said, I, I may have overstated slightly saying that we fixed that our rankings are, you know, completely in solidarity. There's been some controversy. Uh, again, if people want to check out the rankings, we do. One thing we make very clear, we might not put all the exactly how we tabulated, but we do put how many first place votes every fighter got out of our eight person panel. And uh, I don't at a glance, I'm sure people will look and be a little surprised at some of the fighters who, who were not unanimous first place. Um, I, I don't know. Should we bring up some examples now, Sean? Please. I think for one thing, one specific thing you mentioned, we want to differentiate ourselves from promotional rankings and thus titles do not necessarily define how we are going to vote. And I think that's pretty evident. Uh, if, if, I, if I want to draw one, our number one lightweight is Dustin Poirier, not Charles Oliveira. Almost uh, unanimously, again, too. Seven votes for Poirier, one vote for Dobronx. So and, and this is a, this is something I think a lot of fans would agree with. So we want people fans to know that uh, you might disagree with a lot of what we what how we. Uh, these rankings turn out, but I guarantee there's also some that will have you nodding your head and going like, yes, finally, someone is reflecting kind of how we feel about things and not how the UFC defines something or necessarily the casual fan defines something. But the people who watch the fights and really follow these guys' careers, there's a very strong case for Poirier, though he's never held the undisputed title, is the number one lightweight in the world right now. And that's certainly reflected in our rankings. So that's just kind of an example of the kind of a, a few different things you'll see here. Yeah, and absolutely. And as I said, I sort of joked at the beginning that we are the prison guards of this asylum. Uh, but it really has, I think, the debates and the, the the civil war that has sort of been brewing within this eight person crew has been really interesting to watch. And I think surprising in a lot of ways, but also it's, it's maybe shouldn't be surprising because there is just not you get really. that many people together. There's going to be massive gulfs in opinion. So that's sort of why we wanted to do this show. We want to inject some transparency into the process, peel back the curtain somewhat and let you guys know what we're thinking with with a lot of this and sort of the, the methodology to it. Uh, and so today on this debut episode, we're going to go five rounds, me and you, AK. We're going to hit some movers and shakers, talk about some cuts this month, some big moves, uh, really just sort of recap the month that was. And then later on in the show, we're going to be joined by two of our more controversial, maybe opinionated, maybe rankers. Uh, Mr. Jed Mashu and Mr. Damon Martin, obviously, of MMA fighting. And we're going to hit a few of the many, many heated debates that we have uncovered during this process. And maybe <laughs> maybe we'll be able to sway some people. Maybe we'll be able to change some minds, change some hearts. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. Yeah, And, and let, let's tell the listeners right now, if there is uh, after the show or if there is some some major point of contention you guys have. Let us know. You guys know where to find us on social media. I'm sorry, Sean. I've now I've now I opened do the door. not want to be included in that. Let AK know. <laughs> My DMs are open. My DMs are open. Hit me up. Uh, uh, let me know. And, and I will try and uh, tabulate and keep track. And hopefully every month, uh, you know, we're probably we're pretty in, in tune with you guys. I assume we'll get to any major controversies, but maybe I'm missing one. Maybe there's a major one that you guys see in our rankings that are really having like scratch your heads and kind of question what it is we're thinking. And uh, if I see a lot of that, then then I'll make sure that we address it on this on this monthly show. Yes. And with that, let us start. The five speed rounds, again, just five very quick looks at the biggest movers and shakers of the past month. And we're going to start out there in France. The French Prince, Cyril Gaon, moving up to the top three of the heavyweight division. He was initially tied for number four. He is now number three and seven of our eight panelists at heavyweight. Now have it like this. Number one, Francis Ngannou. Number two, Stepi Miocic. And number three, Cyril Gaon. There is one lone dissenter among that group who has gone above Miocic. But either way, AK, we were talking before the show and you felt like this was the most significant move of the entire month. Why was that? Yeah, look, numerically, it's not. We're, we're going to get to a couple of moves, other moves here that uh, some guys shot more spots, two or three spots, or entered the rankings, which is also a big deal. But I think once you reach a top five of any division, and this maybe isn't true for every division, but I think a good, a good solid rule, it's hard to move up. I, I think that's that's something most people would agree with. Uh, you can you can be in the top five and depending who you fight, you can win two or three fights and like barely inch up. Gone has just been on this straight rise into the top five uh, again, just by staying active, by winning fights. And now and then now, you know, getting this interim opportunity with Derek Lewis, uh, a guy who, again, was right ahead of him in the rankings. We had him tied with uh, Curtis Blades in the last edition of our rankings tied for fourth. So he's really only technically moving up one spot and breaking up a tie with blades, but that's big. 
to be in that same conversation with Nganu, Miocic, and and now now gone. And those two guys who, again, are, are before this year were far more established than him. Um, for now, the argument you made that he is in that cluster of guys. And as we've seen some of the early odds, Sean, uh, people actually picking gone to potentially beat Nganu in a in a fight. It, it, should it be booked? I, I, I don't know if you can have a bigger move than that. You, you may disagree. I don't know. I don't know, Sean. But for me, this was the biggest impact move of uh, the last month. Not only picking him, but he's the betting favorite now, too, Crazy. which is, which is just really... I mean, you look, you, you rewind a couple months ago when Francis Ngannou just destroys Stipe Miocic and all of a sudden it just looks like this is going to be the guy. For, he'll never lose. Yeah, he'll, 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 he'll never lose again, be that sort of conversation. It lasted a couple months until he <laughs> yep. was he was an underdog in a fight. It's it's just, uh, I don't know that I agree with it. I still favor Francis in that fight. I, but as, I, as would I. Yeah. But I do agree that there now feels to be a very clear tier one here at heavyweight. And that's these three gentlemen. And that everybody else is, is, is now a step below them. And we'll see yeah. how this works out. It feels like Stipe Miocic is probably the odd man out right now. And, not- and Sean, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. That's what makes this move so impactful to me is that we, we didn't we haven't like, you know, quite classified that, that. But I think most people, whether they realize it or not, do have those kind of tiers in their mind. And you're right. There is a tier one at heavyweight. And, it, and, and I don't think Derek Lewis was in it. To be honest with you, I think it was just Nganu and Miocic. That was the you. tier one of heavyweight. And now it is a three-person uh, top tier because of God. Yeah, that's actually a really, really great, great way of looking at it. So speaking of tiers, let's move on to round number two here. And we're moving to the featherweights. The fight that we just saw this past weekend, the big fight for the UFC, Giga Chikadze. And I believe he was actually the biggest mover uh, of this whole month in terms of everybody, uh, in terms of upwards momentum in the rankings. He moves from 12 to number eight here in these featherweight rankings the highest we had him one a few people had him at number seven the lowest was number 10 so that's around the same range and again speaking of tiers it feels as if there is now very clear tiers that have delineated delineated themselves at featherweight number one you have max holloway aj mckee alexander volkanovsky whatever order you want to put those in that feels like that's the top tier right those those guys have separated themselves number two you have brian ortega patricio pitbull Chan Sung Jung, those guys are sort of in that nebula zone where they're clearly not with the number ones, but they're ahead of everybody else. And then you have this very large sort of open tier of number three. And I think you could throw a lot of guys in there, whether it's Giga Chikadze, Josh Emmett, uh, Calvin Cater, Dan Ige, and probably even Edson Barboza. Those five just sort of clustered together. Any of them could beat any of them on any given day. A lot of them have fought each other. Does that feel right to you? And does it feel like Giga now belongs in that group, obviously? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think I think that's the, the case here is, is to say, was he already in, in the he was you know unbeaten in the UFC, had just beaten uh, Cub Swanson. Right. Huge, huge win over a name uh, veteran and a finish, no less. So I think some people might have had him in that tier already. I didn't. Uh, I was definitely a, a, a little more bullish with my or less bullish, whichever one. Uh, I was definitely a little uh, less eager to push him up the rankings until he fought someone else in the top 10 like Barbosa. So I probably had him uh, 12 or lower. I can't remember my exact ranking for him uh, on mine, but he was he was in tier four if we're kind of looking at it that way, um, but now he's firmly in that tier three. Like you said, one of those guys that's maybe not quite one away, one win away from a title shot, but is is certainly um, you know in the conversation of being someone who you feel like he's guaranteed to contend for one uh, no matter what. So uh, yeah, I think this is a huge jump again. Not quite for me as breaking into the top three like a tier one as as Gon did, but uh, yeah, in the featherweight division. To move up like three or four, this division is so stupid stacked. So to be able to move up for that, yeah, with one win uh, over over a name guy like that, uh, like Barbosa, is, is awesome. And uh, look, maybe we're jumping the gun. Maybe some fans will say he hasn't done enough to pass Emmett. He hasn't done enough to pass Arnold Allen, who's what eight, eight, eight no in the UFC or something like that, right? But I think Chikadze, by taking this tough fight with Barbosa, really did himself a service and really improved his resume above the the guys I just named. Are you surprised by this? Because I got to say, I, I'm somewhat surprised. Like, Giga Chikadze was obviously a very decorated kickboxer. He was a beast over in the kickboxing ring. But this is also somebody who just a few years ago lost to Austin Springer on Dana White's Contender Series, right? Like, this is, if you ask 95% of MMA fans, I don't think they could tell you who he lost to on Contender Series. And all of a sudden, he's been in the UFC now a couple of years. He's already 7-0 in the UFC. He actually has the best record of any Contender Series alum in the UFC, which again, I don't think anybody would have expected considering the, the, some of the talent that has come off that show. Just a few years ago, he was struggling to get through 
uh, you know, guys like Brandon Davis and, and Jamal Emmers. And now all of a sudden he's just destroying people like Cub Swanson and Ensign Barbosa. Are, are you surprised by how quickly this is happening? I mean, is it is it that quick, though? Like, and like you said, now we're seven fights in, right? I, I get what you're saying with the first couple of fights. Anytime you look at a guy's resume and see split decision, split decision in his first two UFC fights, you're going to think, is this guy really like for a guy who's who came into this sort of highly vaunted uh, striker? If he's squeaking, just squeaking out wins like this, how how hyped is he? But I remember watching those fights and and read, hearing a little bit about him. Smarter people than me, kind of hyping him up, and I was like, okay, I, I get it. Like I, I think maybe my opinion was slanted in a positive way because of what I'd heard about him. So maybe I saw the the uh, the silver lining of these split decisions and and uh, the fact that oh he got a win, he did enough. I think that says a lot against two two pretty respectable names that, that you just mentioned. Um, so I'm not super surprised and and. It's it, this isn't always the case for guys once they reach the UFC level. There was kind of a noticeable improvement with every fight, um, which is rare. I guess that speaks to how relatively new he still is to MMA. That there is that room for for growth and and visible growth um, that you can see in fights. So uh, no, I wasn't super surprised. I was one of the few people on our staff that was um, picking that was picking Chikadze to win. Uh, I didn't pick him to finish. That was really impressive. Yeah, but I, I did think he would win. Um, so no, I'm not super surprised. I think he's where he should be. At this stage of his his UFC career, uh, top top ten in our rankings. I wrote a little bit about this this weekend, but I, I I just really always do enjoy sort of the process that we go through with these crossover athletes, like especially these really like accomplished crossover athletes, right? Where you got somebody coming in from kickboxing and he's making this transition, and you sort of see, get a chance to see the switch flip in real time, and sort of just the connective tissues really kind of come together in his mind as he's sort of figuring out this newer aspect of what he's doing. Because again, I, I was at UFC 248 when he fought Jamal Embers. And I remember watching that fight and just kind of coming away, just not really, not really thinking much about it, right? Like it was just like, okay, I guess like this isn't going to really work out for Giga. Like he's probably not going to be the guy that maybe he could have been or we thought he might have been. Uh, and it, all of a sudden now he is just three knockouts in a row, three post fight bonuses in a row. Again, you can see that switch just flipping in real time. He's out here trying chokes on Edson Barboza. Like that's a really <laughs> fun little wrinkle, right? Like I'm actually really excited now for what Giga can do. Uh, and I think he could he, he's going to be moving up this division in, yeah. in his rankings moving forward. And, and, and I, th I think Izzy Adesanya is a good example of that as well as like, I mean, he he certainly had even a much more hype than Giga did coming to the UFC. But like if you watch the Vittori fight, the first one, yeah, he kind of squeaks it out and you're like, oh, you have a few concerns. But but the guy that the Izzy that fought Vittori the first time was very different that the, from the Izzy that then fought Derek Brunson and just smoked him. And then very completely different from the Izzy that fought like Robert Whitaker. Like you just saw amazing growth from his second UFC fight to, you know, his, his chat when he became a champion, like it's, it's, it doesn't look like the same guy at all. It's uh it's really amazing, but yeah, it's right. You're right. You see, you very noticeably see that switch and it's really fun to see. Yeah. Well, let's move on to round number three. Uh, and this actually fits round number three for the third oh. man of his generation, Ray Cooper, the third, the standout over there in PFL debuting at number 13 here on our welterweight rankings. And AK, you actually had, you and I actually had, Ray Cooper, higher than anybody else. I had him at We're number responsible for this. We're responsible for this, Sean. <laughs> we really are. I had him at number 10. You had him at number 11. Actually, switch mm -hmm. that. You had him at number 10. I had him at number 11. He right. was as low as number 15 for one of our panelists. Uh, otherwise, he kind of, it seemed like everyone more or less floated him in that same zone as, as you and I did, just a little bit lower. Let me read you off a few stats here from Ray Cooper, who obviously gets into this, these rankings by beating Roy McDonald in the way that he did very dominant. It wasn't entertaining to say the least, but uh, it was a very dominant performance, very wrestling heavy, 10 wins, two losses, one draw, eight finishes, three PFL final appearances, one championship, potentially a second coming up wins over Jake Shields in there. And now Roy McDonald too. And that's just really over the PFL run. Those are, that's the last few years here for Ray Cooper. Is it possible, do you think, that we were underrating or overlooking Ray Cooper as a group up to this point? I think a lot of uh, people kind of discounted the Jake Shields wins. I, I, I remember at the time that was a big deal, I thought. Uh, there was a cool storyline that his dad had fought Jake Shields as well, which I guess may have made it sound worse than it was. It's like, oh, he's beating up one of his dad's opponents. <laughs> how, how much of an achievement is that? But it was. I, Jake Shields probably was not uh, in anyone's top 20 rankings um, by the time he fought Ray Cooper, but still uh, still a name, a very tough guy. And and uh, he finished Jake Shields twice. That's an accomplishment. I, I don't care what stage of Jake Shields' career he was at. That's an accomplishment. And then, like you said, the, the success he's had since then um a couple of slip-ups but uh other than that he's been the the guy one of the faces 
of the PFL. And it sounds crazy. Uh, I think he's one of the few PFL guys in any of our rankings, um, except, of course, Caleb Harrison, who would be in our pound for pound, of course, women's pound for pound. But uh, for most of the men, I, he's one of the few men who has not had UFC experience. So like I said, we've had Rory McDonald in our past two rankings, but obviously he's a guy who we have, you know, we can gauge him from his accomplishments in the UFC, his accomplishments in Bellator. Ray Cooper burst onto the scene. He's a veteran, but he, but he was not a known guy until he fought for the PFL. And now he's number, th- we're saying he's the number 13th best welterweight in the world, Sean. And that might actually be low. That might be too low. <laughs> um, ah. He's really well, good. My, he is really, my, really good, man. He's up next for him is Magomed Magomed Karimov, who's actually the gentleman who beat him in the first yes. season PFL final. So a rematch here, uh, kind of coming full circle. That's a big fight for Ray Cooper. He could cash himself yeah. another million dollar and it, check. It should it should have happened in 2019. Magomed Karimov got, I think, injured or withdrew for whatever reason. So this is if you're a PFL fanatic, guys, this is like the rematch you've been waiting for since season one of the pfl this should have happened two years ago before the but they didn't have a season in 2020 of course because the pandemic uh i i am so excited for this one ray cooper representing for pfl on these rankings top 15 i love in it. the world we're saying i love Sean, it top, this is people this is why the global rankings need to happen because you're not going to see this again if you only follow ufc or Bellator rankings you're not going to see ray, ray cooper's name there so we are saying he is top 15 might be too low might be too low. And might uh, be too low. Let's move on. Round number four here. Got to talk about my guy. Been my oh, guy. I've been riding and so dying happy. on this train you so are long. So happy he is about finally, this. finally, I still feel like he's too low in this, but maybe not. <laughs> uh, Vicente Luque is, of course, who I'm talking about. And this one is fairly straightforward. He moves from number nine to tied for number six right now. Uh, and five, AK, five out of eight of us have him at number six. It feels as if this is a pretty unanimous. Wow. Uh, decision, at least among this group, right behind that little tier, uh, I'd say two tiers of Usman, Covington, Burns, Edwards, Thompson. Mm-hmm. Right behind that, coming up then is Vicente Luque, and that feels about right considering that Vicente's last two losses were to those men, Leon Edwards and Stephen Thompson. That being said, look at everything Vicente Luque has done. This unbeaten run, he's finishing everybody. He's one of the low key, most violent men in this in the entire UFC. And I, I, I will stand on that against anybody. Uh, is there a case for Vicente Luque needing to be higher than tied for six right now? I, 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 I won't make it. Uh, I frankly won't make it. I, I definitely have been one of the people who has been very, very slow to creep uh, Luque up my rankings. This is probably the, the, the most I've ever pushed him up after a fight, like two or three spots. Um, for me, it's always I will been say like... You candidly have him the lowest of anybody on the whole crew. Do I, what do I, I have an eighth, I think. You have an eighth, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the lowest? That's the lowest. Damn, me, uh, it looks like it looks like uh, yes, me and one other. Uh, yeah, and and I'm okay with that. I I don't know, but I don't blame people at all because Luke a just has the results. What is it? T- uh, nine, ten out of eleven wins. That's why it, it is. It is is becoming an outrageous That's Tony Ferguson esque streak. Yeah, and a lot of stoppages. You know, we're not talking like oh, he he's just kind of eking out wins over like over good opponents. He's like killing. He's killing like good high level top twenty five. Top 30 welterweights. Uh, I know that seems like a pretty wide range, but again, that's that's high level guy. Welterweight is another, you know, has always been one of the deepest divisions in the UFC. And to the way he's been handling some of these guys is absurd. Um, so for me, I was, you know, he lost to Thompson too. That's another reason I, I wouldn't put him above there. But um, Edwards as well. And Edwards as well. That was a, what, really, yeah, it's, for you, that? it's the two wow, Bellator guys. You have Amasov and Douglas Lima yes. in, in sort of that top range. And, yes. that, and that's sort of what's putting Luke behind them. Yeah, yeah. It's always a bit, it's always difficult to compare, of course, guys cross promotionally. Uh, you know, it's just when they have no shared opponents. Um, and in this case, now it looks like, so Luke is tied with Amasov in our uh, in our uh, uh, consensus ranking. Um, but yeah, so for Luke to be the leader of potentially tier three, Again, guys who are maybe two fights away or, or just the right match, you know, maybe one fight away with the right matchup from getting a title shot. That's awesome. And I will say this is someone who I always thought is going to be a win three fights, lose one guy. Um, or in this his case, lose win four or five fights, lose one guy uh, and, and you know, be popular, but never a title contender. And now, man, you really could talk me into Luke a potentially fighting for a title in uh, by, by next year. He's one fight away, really. If he gets we'll if see. he gets a big one UFC, next one, if it's a, if it's a we'll Nate, <laughs> I mean, the UFC treasures violence. UFC likes violence. Vicente Luque is a violent, violent man. If he's able to get something like a Nate Diaz fight, which is actually seemingly on the table, or something like that in his next fight, I think he could do enough in that type of performance. I think he would avoid a Leon Edwards type of situation. I think if if he wins that Nate Diaz fight or something like that, it would be spectacular and it would make 
and make that jump into into sort of that conversation. We'll see though. He continues to get disrespected, mostly by you. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> he is a very he's one of the most disrespected men in this whole sport. Final round here, round number five, and then we'll bring in the other two gentlemen and we'll get to our debates. The cuts. Yeah. Speaking of disrespect. The cuts. The inactivity cuts is one thing that one of the main rules that we really wanted to hammer on and have when we created these rankings is to have some kind of threshold to prevent people from really squatting on their spot for just endless stretches of inactivity, right? Like we see this all the time in the UFC rankings where people are just there, they're not fighting and they're just jamming up the ability for other fighters to make any sense of forward progression. For a long time, the welterweight division has been like this. Uh, there are other divisions you could point to as well. Conor McGregor was like a top Sean, ranked lightweight forever. Um, uh, Sean, I, I think I think something's wrong with our rankings, Sean. Um, uh, where is John Jones? I don't. I, 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 I don't. I do not see John Jones. What is? Uh, and there you go, Sean. What's going on? I see. I'm looking at light heavyweight. No John Jones. I'm looking at pound for pound. No John Jones. What's what? The, what is this? What kind of rankings are these? And there we go. We decided that 18 months was the good cutoff point. It's about it's but that nice middle ground. It's not too long. It's not too yeah. short. If you have no activity, if you haven't no, fought nice, yeah. for yes. a year and a half, you're not relevant to the current conversation. When you mm. do come back, we'll throw you back in. Simple as John that. John Jones is not relevant. John Jones is. What are we? Sean, what are we saying? <laughs> the facts. What? We're saying the facts. So last month, obviously, the biggest victim was Mr. John Jones Jones. This month, it is too. Fan favorites, and it's um, it's very no. sad to see them go. Joanna no. Jacek and Yoel Romero, what? both fighters who I had extraordinarily highly ranked in their respective divisions for me. Uh, it's now 18 months for both of them. Their, their last fight was that last pre-pandemic show where Joanna went to war, one of the greatest fights of all time against Wiley Zhang, and Yoel Romero did the exact opposite <laughs> against Israel Asenia. They're no, now out, so their spots in the rankings were up for grabs. AK, what's been your experience so far with these cutoffs and sort of working system that we have? Personally, I have always had it like as long as they get booked for a fight, I kind of liked to keep them in my own, like the rankings I had kept long before we sort of conceived doing MMA fighting global rankings. I was more like one, I had a shorter cutoff. I would go a year, but it would have to be a year without a booking. So if you got a booking that kind of extended your life uh, on the rankings for me, uh, you know, and then and so and then I would kind of take it case by case from there if they were if they were nowhere close to getting an actual fight. But I, I don't mind the way we do it. I think 18 months, no fight, even if there is a booking. I think that's fair because otherwise it really, really extends how long someone can be in the rankings without actually appearing. You know, uh, n- not all. The, and, and frankly, it's better for the fans. I think not all the fans keep up with every potential booking and everyone that fell through. So it'll look odd to some. If they see like, why is Joanna up there and, and she hasn't fought again since the, the Zhang Weili fight, which now feels like it was honestly like friggin three years ago. Um, the crazy thing about Joanna is she has not even had a fight, a fight like potentially booked. I have not heard rumors of her coming back that I haven't even seen like people throwing out kind of like fake Joanna matchups. So she's in a really weird spot. And I think this is a perfect example of why we have the 18 month cutoff, why we remove people from the rankings. It's like, of course, we know. If if you were to ask us, okay, who are the five best strawweights in the world? She's firmly in there. No, 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 just no debate, no debate. She's, she's firmly in, the top in there. Three. She's in the top three. Yeah, I, I think any list without her in the top three is like it would just be bizarre. But if you don't fight and you don't stay active, and she seems happy by the way, not fighting right now. So more power to you, Wanna. Whatever you're doing with your life, if you're just out there enjoying life, I congratulate you. But for the purposes of rankings. You really do got to got to take them out at some point. So that's just what happens with Joanna here. Um, again, fans can disagree. Other other members of the media can disagree. But uh, she just does not have any credentials to speak of over the last 18 months and thus has been removed. And again, we'll throw her back in when she competes. It's as simple as that. We're trying to keep, right the, in there. keep the sport moving, keep the flow moving. We're not trying to hold up divisions here. None of that. We're keeping it moving. And in the spirit of keeping it moving, that was five rounds. We're going to take a quick break. And then AK on the other side. The gloves are coming off. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now, two of our fine esteemed members, members of the panel, Damon Martin, Jed Mashu. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Uh, two main topics of contention we wanted to hit here today. First up, the bantamweights. This has been a very weird, bizarre, that whole division right now is very is in a very weird place. Obviously, Aljamain Sterling is currently the UFC champion. Peter Yan was winning that fight at UFC 259 before that fourth round uh, foul. The whole thing is a bit of a mess. We haven't gotten any resolution to it yet. And the way that our rankings played out, it actually, it wasn't purposeful, but it kind of became a perfect representation of how this division feels right now. We had four different people on the panel vote for Aljamain Sterling as the number one fighter, and we had four different people vote for Peter Yan as the number one fighter. The point system that we use internally actually brought them to an exact tie. So that is where they have been for the past couple of months. They've been tied for first place, those two gentlemen. And it's caused a lot of it's caused a lot of anger. It's caused a lot of dissension in the ranks. And so we just wanted to bring this on and talk it out. Uh, full transparency. I voted for Peter Yawn, number one. Damon, you also voted for Peter Yawn, number one. AK and Jed, you're both on Aljamain Sterling's side. We are clearly on the superior side on this, Damon, so I'm going to let open the floor to the Sterling side first. AK, Jed, whoever wants to go here, please explain why you're telling me that Aljamain Sterling is the number one bantamweight in the world. Jed, Jed, may I, may I just set the table real quickly here? I, you absolutely can, because I okay, have a no, beef that I want to get out at some point. Oh, so. Lord. Okay. Okay. Get ready to fire. So I, I, obviously I don't expect, actually, I don't even know if Jed would agree with this, but I think, you know, the UFC title is a pretty good gauge for who is, who is the best in a weight class. Again, uh, That's Sean, not we true. Dis- well, and we discussed early on the show, certainly not the case with Dustin Poirier. Seven of our voters think he's in first place. And I think that's a perfectly uh, rational case he made based on resume, who he's beaten. Uh, you know, I have putting Poirier above uh, Charles Oliveira completely makes sense. UFC belt be damned. Um, in this case, uh, again, I, I'm not against Piotr Jan being number one, but I think uh, beyond the fight itself, which I'll agree, I think Piotr Jan was winning, but technically it was disqualified and lost. And I think a very justified disqualification. That to me, again, is an official loss. He did not beat Aljamain Sterling. And Aljamain Sterling is thus, for me, ranked above him, not just based on that, the results going into it. We'll compare, uh, we'll get to resume comparison in a second, I think. I want to let my boy here uh fire off i feel like he's ready to go jed please hit hit him up i'm chomping at the bit and the first thing that needs to be said here is oh i know that this is sean just laid the table it's dead even same number of first place votes same number of points and yet if you go to mmafighting.com and look at our global mma rankings and go down to bantamweight Peter Yan is the first name in the T1. Aljamain Sterling is the second. Does P come before A? No. Does Y come before S? No, it sure doesn't. But we put him up there. And when I say we, I mean the conspiracy that Sean Alshadi is is running here in control of the graphics and setting things up. He is trying to implant it in your head. Hey, this is a joint effort between me and AK. This is a joint effort between the two of us. And and Jed, by the way, you know who shouldn't go uh, unnoticed in this in this debacle is one uh, one little Miss Cool Alex, Alex Savas, who is responsible for these beautiful graphics. But I had not. You're right. I did not realize she was in uh, the pocket of uh, of big MMA fighting. Big Yang. She's (laughs) in in the pocket of Big Yang. Run by Sean Al Shadi. I had not even noticed that. See, that's wow. 
I it's a travesty, and I just wanted that to be known to everybody mm. that uh, the true champion is Aljamain Sterling. And I, I don't, I don't know how we're having a debate here. Actions have consequences. Peter Jan lost, like he lost totally within the rule set of MMA. It's just like AK said, like uh, we don't have to get into resume, but we sure can. If if you guys want to go into even worse ground for you, I'm happy to trash Jan's resume, but I don't have to because he lost the head to head. Like we live in a society, there are rules, <laughs> and Pion broke them. And he didn't break them in like a oh he accidentally need him. He stood over top Sterling, stared him in the face for five seconds, punching him, and then was like, "Nah, I'm a knee this dude." <laughs> like he just he blatantly violated the rules. It's a 100% clean win for Sterling. I've said it since day one. He's the champ. He's the top dude. Deal with it. Damon, get in here. Sure. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. Now, okay, now let's get the B team out of the way. Let's go to the A team. Uh, <laughs> listen, the reality is this, and 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 I, and I truly mean this. Where it's ended, where they're tied, you know, T one, T one, they're top one, number one. I think that honestly is the way to do it. The reality is, I don't think there is a clear cut winner here. So I think them being tied is kind of justifiable in a way because it's unanswered. It's an unanswered question. It's unfinished business. Yes, Aljamain Sterling is the champion he's holding that championship title and based on the rule set yes absolutely and i don't i don't begrudge him that i told i said that right after the fight he shouldn't feel bad that he didn't break the rules but at the same time even he has said aljamain has said that while yes i I am the champion he understands it's not the way he wants to become champion winning on a disqualification isn't legitimately winning a title in the way you want to win a title uh, you know, obviously, if Anthony Smith had not been able to continue in his fight with John Jones uh, after you know losing the majority of that fight, would he hold the title? Would he be the light heavyweight champ? Sure, he would have been, but would have been legitimate. Would he have felt like he beat John Jones? And the answer is no. And 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 I don't think Aljamain Sterling will tell you he felt like he beat Peter Yan. That's why they're doing the rematch in October. Hopefully, we get some clarification around that point. But for now, Peter Yan was the legit champion based on the system of wins and losses. Meaning, what? based on he went out and bought Jose Aldo, which was for the for the for the vacant title. He knocked him out and finished it, which, by the way, that win looks better and better considering what Jose Aldo has looked like since that fight. Truth. He went out there and knocked out Jose Aldo. (laughs) (laughs) He knocked out Jose Aldo. He beat him to become champion. Basically, what we're dealing with right now is almost a vacant title situation, in my opinion. No, Aljamain holds the title. He's absolutely, I'm not taking anything away from Aljamain, but Aljamain would be the first one to tell you that's not the way he wants to earn it. That's not the way he wants to earn becoming the number one bantamweight in the world by disqualification. He wants to go out there and beat Peter Yan. And when he beats, if he beats Peter Yan in October, I'll 100% rank him as the number one bantamweight in the world. You, you bring up a good point, Damon, that I think the way it actually worked no. out. <laughs> no, hold on. Hold on. The way it actually worked out is perfect because I agree with everybody in that this is sort of where the division is right now. The number one, number one being tied the way the point systems actually worked out because a few different people had some of these gentlemen number three on their list, too. So the way the point systems worked out is very bizarre, but it actually worked out really favorably for us. But to me, it comes the, the whole argument comes back to, to an idea of. Do we trust our own eyes, right? Because we sort of had this discussion last month internally when it came to Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw, where there are several of us on the ranking panels, and I will say myself included, who still have Corey Sanhagen ranked above TJ Dillashaw because I trust my own eyes. And I watched that fight, and I don't care what the judges said. Corey Sanhagen won that fight. The judges make bad calls sometimes. This one isn't necessarily the same situation because Peter Yan, that was was the right call for Aljamain to get that win. But still, I watched that fight. And Peter Yan, I came away from it feeling as if Peter Yan is the better fighter between the two. And to me, that's the spirit of what all of this is about, right? When you're watching this, how, how do you, how do, how do instinctively, when you're the eye test, that fight leaves me coming away from this feeling like Peter Yan is the best number one bantamweight in the world. And it would be different if Aljamain Sterling, say, got some random knockout or some Hail Mary submission and he won, then sure, I'll give him that and then I would give him that number one spot. But the way that fight ended was so inconclusive in terms of their actual standing in the division that to me, I feel fully justified still saying that Peter Yan is the best bantamweight in the world. I think, look, I I, I understand uh, what, you're, what you're saying there, uh, but I but for for the result matters. Uh, now, listen, 
Jed and I, anyone who's, who's either read Misfits or even listened to Jed, Jed and I uh, have a debate on, say, uh, Between the Links or, or really just talk on any other MMA fighting programming, knows uh, we, we love cheating. Okay, we we fully approve. We fully approve of cheating. However, 100% supporting of cheating. Hundred percent, absolutely. However, what we don't support, Janet, I I I think I'm comfortable speaking for both of us in this situation. What we don't support is getting caught. Don't get caught. Don't cheat in such a way that literally costs you a world title. Like there has to be consequence for these things. And in our case, I, 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 again, sorry, Janet, I keep speaking for you. In our case, those consequences extend beyond not just losing his officially sanctioned UFC shiny gold belts. The the punishment extends to, to a number one spot in, in, in the, the the official global rankings of the world. That might be an oxymoron. I don't care. And and so I don't know how you guys can look the other way and say, well, we're still gonna give Jan the top spot. It's okay to it's okay to get disqualified. You still you can still be number one. I, I But just did you come away from that fight feeling as if Aljamain Sterling is the best bantamweight in the world? I, I don't know if I'll say that, but I didn't necessarily so no. feel that. I but did. I didn't necessarily feel that. I didn't necessarily feel that Piotr Jan was the best band in the world. Well, and let's, that. let's also I not did. forget. Let's also not forget the rules at play here, guys, because there's no consistency, oh, and this is putting this is taking, forgetting the rules because you're just writing off Aljamain Sterling's win. No, this is take this is taking this is taking you know the issue with the referees and the officials because when this same exact thing happened. A couple of years ago, in a fight between Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez, when Eddie Alvarez egregiously threw two knees and, and basically knocked out Dustin Poirier and he couldn't continue, they called that a no contest. Now, at the time, I argued and said that should have been a disqualification. He was clearly down. Eddie knew he was throwing the knees, and it should have been a disqualification. But they said, no, no, it's a no contest. So now there's a no contest on his record instead of a win. They ran it back, and obviously Dustin beat him, and, and you know the right guy won. Uh, in this case, now we have a disqualification. The the inconsistency of the rules about what's a disqualification, what's I'm not saying it's wrong to be a disqualification. I'm saying there's no there's no consistency in the rules. So if one thing's a disqualification, another thing's a no contest, I don't know who's right or who's wrong in I, that instance, because nobody knows who's right or who's wrong in that instance. So in this particular case, I agree with Sean. The eye test is at that moment. Peter Yan was winning. Should he be punished and having his title taken away from him? Sure. But does that make me feel like he's not still the best bantamweight of the guys currently competing? No, I still think he's there. But again, four weeks from now, we're going to get our answer. Five weeks, excuse me, eight weeks from now, we're going to get our answer. We're going to find out who is truly the best bantamweight in the world until, you know, eventually we, we see, you know, guys like TJ Dillashaw and Corey Sanhagen get in that mix again. But for now, those two guys will fight and we'll hopefully find out for sure in October. I, I don't I I understand I agree. There's always going to be issues with consistency uh, when it comes to officiating, judging, what have you in MMA. I just don't see how that's Aljamain Sterling's problem. I, I I don't see why he should be penalized because of the nebulous, uh, you know, uh, officiating issues that are ongoing in the sport. And th th this case, it was clearly ruled uh, in a way that was favorable to him. Uh, maybe Eddie should have. Who need who in the? That's <laughs> terrible. Who need who in the Poirier Alvarez fight again? Eddie definitely need Poirier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Poirier just didn't milk it enough, which is another thing I'm going to give Sterling credit for. <laughs> By the way, and I think he was genuinely hurt for the record. I don't subscribe to the he was faking uh, Oscar Aljo, whatever this bullcrap memes are that are coming on. I think he was genuinely hurt, but maybe there was some degree of, of uh, he was exhausted. Maybe he wasn't exactly in a hurry to get up and continue that fight. Uh, and and I think he should get credit for that, not scorn. So. Or, or maybe he just got kneed in the head very illegally. Look, <laughs> By a very powerful Russian man. <laughs> there's just no two ways around it. Yeah, we would talk about inconsistencies, rules. We have rules. Dude won. Dude lost. Like, okay, you said that everybody, this has been but Corey so Sanhagen for me won too. Every but Corey Sanhagen, I mean, sorry, TJ Dillashaw beat Corey Sanhagen. And yeah, there's still, I still maintain that Corey Sanhagen won that fight. Like at a certain, yeah, another mistake. A certain you point. Love anarchy. Another mistake. I get it, Sean. Yeah. You are all about anarchy. But the fact remains that whether you think he would win in a fight again is not the question. How it was, do you think he would win in a fight based on history and follow the rules because he clearly hasn't done that before. Aljamain Sterling is the only of the two competitors that followed the rules and thus he won. Like you just actions have consequences. And I could maybe 
excuse this if Jan's strike felt unintentional. If he was throwing a knee and at that time, Aljo fell to the ground and his knees hit, and then it's more a syntax of how dumb the grounded rules are written. But it's not. He stood over top of Sterling for several seconds, punched him several times, and then was like, I'm a knee this dude and did it. There was no confusion about the rule set or the legality under any rule set. Sterling was down. He blatantly violated the rules. I'm of the opinion that anytime you violate the rules and it results in an, in, in the fight being stopped, that should be a DQ. But in this instance, I just don't even think it's arguable that it's a DQ. Sterling won. And whether I would pick Sterling or Jan against either one in the future is moot. The the results who would, stands. Pick, who would you pick in the future? I actually really think I'm still going to pick Sterling if 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 that fight ends up happening. I know it's booked, but at this day and age, you can never just feel confident that a fight's happening, right? Like sure. assuming they end up going later this year, COVID, nothing gets in the way. I I still think I'm picking Sterling in that fight. Well, fortunately, again, the way that this all played out, we were actually very lucky because we kind of were able to avoid this whole discussion to begin with because they are tied right now. Jed, you bring up a good point of the subtleties at play here with Peter Yan being ahead of him. I don't know that that was intentional, but that is quite hilarious that that is sure. Oh, wait, listen to him, Jed. Listen. Oh, I, I, I can't, I'm surprised it yeah, turned out that way. I, also, <laughs> I didn't realize that I'm the only person just inside baseball who put Yan as number three and that that's what has prevented him from taking the top spot and boy is that do i love here? that yeah that is, i wasn't gonna single you out but that is absolutely the reason that I, that this is Rob happening Font's best bantamweight in the world baby but i didn't put font at number one because even though i think he'd give the boots to anybody else in the division right now oh my he goodness. hasn't beaten the people aljermaine sterling has beaten and see that's the, the other, the oh other argument the other argument i'll make real quick here is to that point one thing i've always argue with with rankings when you talk about wins and losses and i agree typically when you say wins and losses matter most but the problem is rules we talk about the rules like what's a no contest versus what's a disqualification we can also argue all day about the judging so this time when we started doing the mma fighting global rankings i said to myself i need to judge based on what i'm seeing not necessarily what is just wins and losses and that's why i did rank Corey sanhagen ahead of tj dillashaw because Corey sanhagen won that fight i don't it's not tj it's not tj dillashaw's fault i'm not blaming him but the judges got it wrong that night okay so why am i going to rank tj ahead of Corey when in my head 100 i know for a fact Corey won that fight why am i going to just jump tj dillashaw ahead of him simply because he has a win because two judges egregiously scored that fight the wrong way and now he's he's ranked ahead of him i don't agree with that and we have so many issues with refereeing and judging in this sport that if we don't at least act common sense about about certain results then nothing's ever going to change if no one there's no if there's not even a repercussion in rankings for a guy winning a fight when he shouldn't have won a fight then what's the point i mean what's the point of even debating at that point so Damon, Damon I, I, I hold on. I, I'm actually glad that you brought up common sense, Damon, because we need to move on to our second discussion point here. Yes, and, and, and uh, sorry, Sean. As we do, let me just. Uh, well, I, I'm not going to bring us back, but I want to say, uh, Jed, you were not the only reason that the, the scoring ended up the way it did, because we also had someone rank Sterling third, and that uh, kind of Sean goes to what we're talking. This rogue <laughs> panelist uh, had Sterling oh, third, man. and 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 as you, uh, sorry, Sean, said, that will lead just, it to he is also responsible awesome. for this this next point of discussion that you're you're bringing up. So, yes. please, uh, sorry, so, please go ahead. We will not we will not name this person no, unless he no, wants we don't need to, to he he can name himself if he wants to name himself. <laughs> there is a rogue panelist among the eight person group right now. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned mm-hmm. AK earlier that there is sort of a civil war that is brewing right now within this panel. It's because of this gentleman. Uh it is it is purely because of this gentleman. And Jed, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because I feel you slipping. I feel you slipping to the dark side and I don't like it. And we need to nip this in the bud. <laughs> so what we are talking about. If people were paying attention and managed to see last month's rankings and also this month's rankings, if they look at the women's bantamweight division, they're probably going to notice something weird. They're going to notice that Amanda Nunes has seven first place votes and one second place vote. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seven first place votes. And then Jermaine Duranami has the other first place vote. That seems very weird, right? Amanda Nunes, not only did she beat Jermaine Duranami, but she has just generally been the queen of that division since... Misha Tate retired, which was a very long time ago at this point. Like, this has been an ongoing thing. I don't think anybody in the world would argue that Amanda Nunes is not the number one bantamweight in the world. I'm and about yet, to. <laughs> well, 
let's we're gonna get into it because this is where we have reached one rogue panelist has decided that because of our cutoff rules 18 months no fight you get taken out of the rankings just to remind you Amanda Nunes hasn't defended her title, the bantamweight title in the UFC, for past 18 months now. I don't I don't remember. I don't know the exact timeline, but I know it's past 18 December months. December 2019. 2019. Yeah. So there December you go. December 2019. Yeah. But Amanda Nunes has certainly fought several times since then. She's two titles to defend in the UFC. She has defended the other one, uh, and she is about to defend this bantamweight title again soon. It seems very silly and very nitpicky and very weird to decide that Amanda Nunes should be taken out of the rankings for inactivity when she has been active. But that is the stance that one panelist has taken. And now it has caused ramifications all across these rankings. It, it, it's a bizarre thing to happen. And now, again, there is sort of a, a civil war brewing. And Jed, I again, I feel you slipping. So please, Jed, can you explain to me, make this make sense to me of why this is happening? I don't know if I can make it make sense to you because you're for anarchy and chaos. And I'm glad to know this because now, based on our previous conversation, I can do what's right and put Yoel Romero as the top middleweight in the world because he beat uh, both Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. Yoel Romero right now is out for inactivity, so you can't. Oh, why is he out? He's out because he hasn't competed in the time. Well, that just folds nicely into this. There are rules, Sean. If we don't follow the rules, we live amongst the animals. And it's very, very clear. Like, I don't understand what's up. Like, I, I'm i glad that our rogue panelist, who I would be happy to name, but uh, everybody else seems to get be getting real cloak and dagger with it, so I won't. When he's I'm here, glad. he can name himself. He can name I'm himself. I'm glad the yeah. rogue panelist has made uh, – has made a, a great point because I hadn't even noticed it because you're right. I got caught up in the glitz and glamor of Amanda Nunes beating uh, Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson and forgot that she hasn't fought at her ostensibly best weight and the only actual legitimate women's weight class at, that she is a champion in uh, in almost two years. So, yeah, we have rules. I'm just my main point. I get that I'm never going to sway y'all, but my main point is. If we, in the very first iteration of doing this, we are already breaking the rules, that doesn't set a solid precedent for anything. And if we're going to break the rules for Amanda Nunes, sure, she's the GOAT. Love her. Tremendous fighter. Best we've ever seen. Uh, but we should also break the rules for Yoel Romero because he's the man and has beaten both of the future middleweight title fight guys. So... Uh, you can have it one way or you can have it the other boys. You can't have both. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty surprised that AK Lee, a fan of rules and, and order is, is just, he's just not with me on this. I don't know what's going on. Jed, you're right. Rules, rules, rule. Okay. We know this rules, rule, hashtag rules, rule. That's how I live my life. I, I, I'm not going to disagree. I think there's just certain also common sense rules, which I admit, look, listen, you and the and the rogue panelists had made a good point that we we, we had, there was nothing in the rules that says holding a title for a major promotion makes you exempt from, uh, you know, from being removed from the rankings or from uh, one set of rankings. If you're let's say you're a two division champion, uh, I think we need to amend these rules and we may in the future and we will let listeners and readers know when we do, because uh, this also applies to one Mr. Patricio Pitbull. Uh, Ryan Bader, who has not fought at heavyweight in the 18-month window we're talking about, um, but who in some of our rankings, uh, we have still, uh, some of the panelists have still included, which I think is fine. By the way, let me just cut in. Please, the the please, rogue Sean. panelist, you mentioned Ryan Bader. The rogue panelist also has Ryan Bader as a top five pound for pound male fighter in the world. So that's all I'm saying. Well, Look, I'm, and, I'm not and, here to and debate also, the and merits also still of one person's insanity okay i'm just here to debate that he's look a broken clock is right twice a day and in this instance the blind squirrel found that nut because rules matter sure we gotta follow them but but i think there has to be some like common sense rules just internal rules that that, let's sean you and i I think didn't write down certain rules because we just assumed people would be rational yes and kind of mistake and which is obviously a huge mistake that's on us that's on us you give a you give you give a gun to you give a gun to a monkey and the monkey shoots someone (laughs) you don't you don't blame the monkey okay you don't blame the monkey okay so that's on us all right but it's this specific case with Nunez, the only thing that really hurts it, like uh, uh, wanting to not include her, is just no one at 135 has made a strong case to take her spot. If, if let, me, let me tell you something. If Jermaine Durandami or Holly Holm or Renee Aldana or someone had rattled off like three wins 
in uh, 2020 and like had one in four, like four fight win streak, I'd be like, okay, you know what? This is maybe the uncrowned champion of this division. I, I understand. So you mean Jermaine Duran to me, who is, if you take out the loss to the fighter who's not competing, Amanda Nunes, uh-huh. is, has done a phenomenal job and beaten several top-ranked opponents. Okay, what has she done since the loss to Nunez? She beat the future title challenger of Bantamweight by yeah, submission. Fine. And I would have her over <laughs> Pena. Sorry. That's fine. That earns her That earns her the spot over Pena. How can that yeah. put her over Nunez? One fight since she fought Nunez, that's... It's, it's, it's pretty simple. That fight occurred in October of last uh-huh. year, which is sure. within our 18 you months are correct. time. She has okay. competed. The champion has not. But let do you, me, let me, Nunez gets to let be let the me, champion. I'm not... Damon, please. Damon, let me get in here. Damon, please Let me jump in a little logic. Let me just ask Jed a question. Has Amanda Nunez fought in the last 18 months? Yes or no? Uh, Yeah. Okay, there's your answer. Boom, done. She fought. That seems settled. She that's, fought. That's I understand not the she hasn't fought. I understand. I understand she hasn't fought a bantamweight, but she is a two division champion. She has competed. The rules say you have to compete within eighteen months. Doesn't say you have to compete in your weight class within eighteen months. It says you have to compete within eighteen months. She has competed twice within the last eighteen months, just not in that particular weight class. So rules be you want to you want to follow the rules we want to go by the rules rules rule hashtag rules rule uh <laughs> the reality is she hashtag has fought rules, within rules, the last great. 18 months yoel romero has not john jones has not yoani on jacek has not there's a reason why they are removed wow. because they actually haven't competed at all in 18 months amanda nunez has on top of that if we wow. just take out the we take out the eighteen month the eighteen month part, which again by the rules she has fought within the last eighteen months. I don't care that she hasn't fought at bantamweight in eighteen months. She has fought within the last eighteen months, which is the parameters we're working within. Part two what, of that is where are these parameters written down? I need confirmation. <laughs> they're literally, that. On, literally the on the right page. At the, at the beginning of every we we list them at the beginning of the two we've done so far, and we'll continue a, to do so. That's on a spreadsheet right that's not official. And no, are on these, the actual, no, actual it is publicly the actual anyone article. can. Every reader can go and read this right now. It is on mafine.com slash rankings and go to our latest. I, thank you, Damon, because I didn't even realize that that we this is the yeah. exact wording. Fighters will be removed from the rankings if they do not compete within 18 months of their most recent bout. Does not say anything about division. Yes. So she has competed within 18 months. Conversation over. That's it. But part two of this is if we're just talking about logic in terms of rankings, I mean, there's no, (laughs) there is literally no more clear cut number one fighter in the world in any division in the sport than Amanda Nunes. I mean, she has beaten everybody. She's beaten every champion that the UFC has ever had a bantamweight. She holds win over number two and number three, convincing wins over both, and a couple of wins over Durand Emmy. She has two wins over her and a head-to-kick knockout over Holly Holm. Uh, obviously, Irene Aldana is, is fantastic, but obviously she just had a loss to Holly Holm and then came back and got a big win. I have a much bigger problem with Juliana Pena being ranked fifth than I do with anything about Amanda Nunes because Juliana <laughs> Pena, uh, her biggest current win is over Nico Montano, uh, who hasn't fought in... Uh, who, who That was so what about three years ago that's like Nico's only fight in the last like five years yeah and then and then Sarah McMahon who I have the utmost respect for but Sarah McMahon has you know was never a top five fighter I'm sorry when she got title shot she didn't really deserve that title shot and her other her other fights are losses to Durand Emmy and Shevchenko I could argue all day why Juliana Pena is not number five but I there's no argument that it, anyone in their right mind would say who is the number one bantamweight woman in the world and there's not a person on earth besides the one rogue person in our panel who would say anyone other than Amanda Nunes. But again, I just go back to the rules. You have to fight within 18 months. Amanda Nunes has fought within 18 months. Conversation over. I want to say that we are misappropriating or miss, miss, uh, I don't remember. I'm not, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for here. We are misconstruing the rogue panelist here because the rogue panelist would agree that Amanda Nunes is the best bantamweight in the world. The rogue panelist and myself are just advocating for following the rules, which pretty clearly state now on your other point if that's a good one if if that's true it's a good one i'm not a hundred percent confident that that is what we agreed to during the conceptualization of, of the <laughs> oh here fight. we go i gotta we're gonna have to dig into it. we're gonna have to okay. look at, find those look meeting at the notes that's yeah, fair. Have to find the meeting notes we're gonna no, have to watch fair. the tape and see because i i will say here and now that if if we can conclusively say that we just said compete 
I would say that we didn't have this conversation then and we should have because okay. I do on a substantive level believe you need to compete in the weight class because how long does Kevin Lee get to stay ranked at lightweight if he stays at welterweight and keeps losing up there? Is it is it forever because he still has a win over uh, Gregor Gillespie? Well, well I think, like, I, I think, I think Jed, that I, competing at the weight class matters. Yes, but I think the real exception – sorry, Jed, I think the real exception is for dual division champions. Again, and you're right. You're right. Did we discuss this in depth? I don't know. This, so you're, I think you're making a fair point. Did we make this a clear exception? I think we should. I think we will have an internal discussion. Um, but I think, like I said, I think two division champions. Because at some point, you're punishing two division champions for like doing cool you're not. things. No, because Amanda this is what defended her bantamweight title. Again, but, I, but against, a choice what, was made here. She is but against she who, chose though? to fight. But she, I, no, but are, I mean, against who, though, right? Like, I think. Were people clamoring for her to fight Megan Anderson? But no, more, she so, can't, she, she, more, she more just, so than rematches with Jermaine Durandamy no, or Holly Holmes, though. No, that was just though. the fight they threw at her. Like, it's let's, Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson are fine wins, but, like, she's beat everybody, so it doesn't matter. She That's made a choice. Like, she could have said, no, I want to fight. I want to defend my 135 title, and then Against I'll who? go fight Against Megan GDR Anderson. again? Against Holly Holm, uh, like, a rematch? Like, I, okay. I, I don't I, remember I think if you look at the landscape. There was no literally no one that... Yeah. You're saying choose as if Amanda Nunes has that power. Ultimately, the UFC, right. and we know this, tells you who. I mean, look at what they just did to exactly. Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou, I don't want to fight till September. Okay, we'll just crown an interim champion after you've been tight. You've held the title for three whole months. I, I if, would if love Amanda, to see the UFC if, crown an interim women's bantamweight champion. If Amanda, if Amanda Nunes, if Amanda Nunes, yes, I mean, maybe she expressed interest in staying at featherweight for another fight. But ultimately, we all know the UFC's hey. Arena Donna's on there and she's on a great win streak. We're going to book you against her. I'm quite sure she would have said yes. I'm also quite sure that didn't happen. I'm quite sure the UFC said, okay, Felicia Spencer's out there. Okay. Megan Anderson's out there. Her contract's coming up. Can you go out and beat her so we can drop her the very next day, which is exactly what happened? Uh, yeah. So there you go. And, and like I said, if they would have said you're going to fight, they said she's fighting Juliana Pena. Guess what? She's fighting Juliana Pena. And, That's and how the UFC way, works. And, and by the way, Damon, she was going to, she did choose to defend her bantamweight title in that 18 month window. This was supposed to happen in August, right? This was like, this was in the 18 month window against Pena. So you wouldn't even get COVID. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, hold on now. now. Hold on. Okay. Now. Okay. Let me just, you know what I'm saying? Like, she, she did choose to defend her title. Like, she booked a title defense, which has now been rebooked. So yeah. I get it. Now, I guess we can just wait till you, November when she's back in there. No but it's so. AK, I thought I was going to be able to sway him on this show December, because he me. loves rules. But, but he's see, just like. Just totally I love logic too, though. But, but here's logic. the thing, and this let me let's wrap it up with this because we're just Please. going in circles at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Ultimately, the 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 rule was put in place for one reason, as we said at the top, it was put in place to stop divisions from being log jammed unnecessarily, right? Uh, stop divisions where forward progress was basically impossible yes. because people were just sitting and squatting on their rankings and not fighting. No one is that division right now is not log jam because of Amanda Nunes. She is not stopping anybody from forward progress that they would otherwise be making. It is very clear that she's the best bantamweight in the world. And again, I, I go with what Damon said. She's been active. She has fought several times in the last 18 months, which ultimately was the rule that we established. The rest of this just feels like very high form trolling to me. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I can't uh, Jen, speak please. for I can't speak for the unnamed panelists. Right. And given some of the unnamed panelists' other rankings, I would not put high form trolling outside of the realm of possibility. <laughs> I genuinely bought the argument and still believe it. If I am again, I as I said earlier, I'm willing to admit that Damon's argument is great, and if that is what is determined, that it is just activity. I think that maybe we should revisit what activity constitutes as far as divisional rankings go. But if it's just activity by the rules, there's I agree. There's no argument against placing Amanda Nunes at number one. However, I'm I'm still not a hundred percent confident that, that is okay. is what we agreed to. I know that that's well, what's been publicly projected, but I don't. <laughs> uh, I need to go check the minutes. Need to do the due diligence to confirm before I'm willing to yes, agree. As I'm sure you will. That Amanda Nunes as I know you is will. the top yeah. end weight. And I know you will. Yeah. And look, if anything, this has spurred, I think, Sean, the need for some sort of further internal discussion. Sure. Uh, and we should say we should say 
Uh, if we're lucky enough to get the rogue panelists for next month's show, this is a, a TBC conversation. So I don't want to I don't want to guarantee it, but I do feel like we hopefully we'll get them for the next show and uh, maybe perhaps find some some peace and resolution. Otherwise, we're waiting till December when Nunez actually fights at one thirty five again. Yes, let's end it there. Uh, no one's changing anybody's mind here, but all I can say, Jed, is I feel you slipping. I feel you slipping, Jed. I feel you slipping. Don't go to the dark side, my friend, please. Stay over here. Stay on the side of the light. Stay on the side of common sense. That's all I ask. That's all I wanted from this. I make no promises. Fair enough. Uh, Really fast before we get out of here. One last thing before we go here, just a rundown quickly of what's to come. Actually, we're looking ahead to September as the busiest month so far of these MMA fighting global rankings, AK. We are looking at 14 fights of significance between fighters on these rankings just within that one month span alone coming up. And really... A lot of it is coming down to UFC 266. You have eight different fights on there uh, between ranked fighters, including a number one ranked featherweight, certain man named Alexander Volkanovsky, and then also the number one weight ranked women's flyweight, Valentina Shevchenko. So a lot of movement to expect. A lot going to happen over the next couple of months. I, we could have see big, big changes. Uh, we'll see. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning into the debut edition of the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. That man is AK Lee. Thank you to Damon Martin. Thank you to Jed Mishu for joining us. We'll be back again next month. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.